LMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over 100 years ago. All right, everybody, it is Steve, the Rogue Scholar. Today is going to be a trip into market land. Uh, Bill Mitchell, who many of you all know well, I hope you know well. And if you don't know Bill Mitchell, you get to know him a little bit better today. Uh, Bill Mitchell is one of the uh, OGs of modern monetary theory. Um, down under the Aussie man from Australia. And uh, Bill Mitchell is a great guy, one of my favorite people in the world. I've interviewed Bill. In fact, if you listen to our Macro and Cheese podcast, you know that Bill Mitchell is the very first episode that we ever did on Macro and Cheese. Uh, Bill Mitchell was also the only person to secure an interview, albeit years ago, with Stephanie Kelton for us. Um, so uh, Bill Mitchell is a, a great human being, very brilliant man. And he's also somebody who, for my bang for the buck, understands us socialists pretty well. And uh, his book, uh, Reclaiming the State, is exquisite. He is a student of Michael Koleski, who um, a lot of people will claim to be Koleski socialists. Uh, Koleski known very much for his job guarantee work and his buffer stock kind of work. Um, but. Bill Mitchell wrote a great, great blog. Now, for those of you who don't know this, Bill Mitchell is currently in Japan working on a very prestigious uh, kind of an assignment. He and uh, uh, his wife, Louisa, are up there in Japan right now advising them um, about, you know, things such as modern monetary theory. And so we go through this process when it comes to understanding markets and who's really in charge, right? Who's really in charge of uh, the value of money and so forth. And before I get too far in here, let me thank you, Double K, for the super chat. Bam, another super chat. Wonderful. Thank you so, so much. Um, but I, what I want to do is I want to talk about this concept of markets. If the market loses confidence and, you know, who's in charge, the markets, the bond vigilantes, et cetera. And Bill Mitchell just crushes crushes the investor grade nonsense that so frequently enters into these economic discussions. All right. Now I'm going to try to find before I get into bill, let me, let me just share this real quick. Let me stop sharing. Let me share the tweet um, that Bill Mitchell did. And this, this tweet right here is pretty base because it's just introducing um, this right here if you will, is just introducing the um, concept, if you will, uh, that, let me read it here. He says, Thursday's blog is now posted. He goes, zero trading in 10-year Japanese government bonds signals Bank of Japan supremacy. Now, let me just state for the record, unfortunately, a lot of people don't understand that these central banks and the, the country's central banks are creatures of their government, okay? The Bank of Japan is not some Rothschild, oh, no, what are we going to do? Privately owned Bank of Japan, whatever, right? It's all this, yeah, it's all this crap, right? That masquerades as 
you know something special. It's like that spicy, titillating feeling of James Bond in the central banking world, right? Well, the fact is, is that the central banks are their nation's bank and they are controlled whether or not they have a, a handshake agreement or or there is uh you know an agreement if you will to allow central banks some autonomy in terms of setting interest rates and things like that but overall these banks do what their government tells them to do if the government decides to weigh in the government itself has the power to control all of it period and that's what bills uh great uh, article talks about. Now, what I wanted to do, and I'm going to try to do this. Let me see if I can find this tweet real quick. And if I can find it, I will be a very happy man because I think that it's super important because what, what he's, and obviously I'm a, I'm a friend. I, I like Mark Blythe a lot, um, but he wrote, I got to find it. If I can find it. Here we go. Yes. So I'm going to share this uh, screenshot of, of um, Mark Blythe here real quickly so you can see the opposite of what MMT says. All right. So here is, here's what Mark Blythe is saying. I, if you all are able to see it well enough, I can go ahead and take myself out of the picture. So inside of here, Mark Blythe says, remember that time when we would have locked in all the financing that was ever needed to do the green transition at a negative real rate? Yeah, we pissed that one again to the wall, okay? Now, this is him believing that the government, and look at this, I, I, I love Mark, but look at this, 775 likes, 256 retweets. This right here is, is the deal, right? It's not true because the federal government, and this is what we're going to talk about here in a minute, the federal government or nation's governments, they're, not, they're, they're in charge of these interest rates. They let their central bank set them. But quite frankly, the United States and MMT people would tell you straight up, set the fucking rate to zero, permanent interest rate zero, zero interest rate policy, a.k.a. ZERP. There's a lot of people that just don't understand these quantity theory of money people out there that think that oh we had easy money it was cheap money folks when the government raises interest rates the money that you're paying extra for that money doesn't just dissolve into the atmosphere it goes to people that already have money so the idea of cheap money just means they have to do something with it if you sit there and you give them the idea that they can have the free interest payments, it's like a basic income for the wealthy. Okay. So anyway, the bottom line is the currency issuing government doesn't care about interest rates. It can set the price wherever it wants. It never is going to have a problem ever. So let's get into the Bill Mitchell article here. I'm going to share my screen with that now. And we are going to talk. I'm going to read this article to you because this is probably, for some of y'all, this is probably, probably going to be a bit of a um, departure from some things, you know, but I'm going to read this whole thing to you. All right. And I'm going to try to provide you some insights. Now, I want you to also see before I do this, if you look at the image right here, 
our our Godzilla is looking down at tiny Godzuki on the top of a palm tree. We sometimes envision Godzuki to be the big Godzilla, but in reality, Godzuki is the market. Okay, Godzuki is the market. So let's get into this. So he says on July 21st, 20, well, let's say it's zero trading in 10 year Japanese government bonds signals Bank of Japan's supremacy. Well, let's see what Bill has to say about that. It says on July 21st, the J Bank of Japan issued this statement on monetary policy, which outlined that it would continue to use its capacity to implement yield curve control whereby the bank will apply a negative interest rate of minus 0.1% to the policy rate balances in current accounts held by financial institutions at the bank and will purchase a necessary amount of Japanese government bonds, JGBs, without setting an upper limit so that the 10-year JGB yields will remain at around 0%. Further, the statement noted that the bank will offer to purchase 10-year JGBs at 0.25% every business day through fixed-rate purchase operations, unless it is highly likely that no bids will be submitted. The only dissenter on an 8-to-1 vote wanted even more easing of monetary policy, exclamation point. The Bank of Japan has been implementing its yield curve control since March 2021. In the light of global trends in central banking, the Bank of Japan's decision are a standout and show how a sophisticated understanding of the monetary economy, coupled with a desire by the government to improve the lives of ordinary citizens, expose the fictions of mainstream economics, which dominates policymaking elsewhere. Recently, various hedge funds thought they were smarter than the bank and started to place bets in the 10-year Japanese government bond that were based on their belief that they could force the Bank of Japan to relent and abandon its yield curve control policy. The hedge funds that started short-selling the bonds, meaning they were entering into contracts to sell the bonds down the track in the hope that they would buy them at the contracted time of de to deliver at a lower price in the spot market and make profits. Their behavior was predicated on their view that they could drive yield bonds beyond the bank's target of 0.25% on the 10-year JGB and restore their yield determining power in the bond market, which the bank, through its policy, had denied them. The implication is that as so-called yield gap prices, uh, yield gap between Japanese financial assets and U.S. assets increased because the U.S. Federal Reserve was tightening while the Bank of Japan was maintaining its low interest rate approach. In other words, while the United States is busy raising interest rates, the Bank of Japan is busy holding fast to the existing, okay? to keeping them low, keeping them low to no. All right. 
So the implication is that the so-called yield gap between Japanese financial assets and U.S. assets increased because the U.S. Federal Reserve was tightening while the Bank of Japan was maintaining its low interest rate approach. The yen would plummet in value and the Bank of Japan would have to give up. Well, if you read the briefing notes issued by various investment banks in August and September, you will find that hubris was not in short supply. Claims such as the bank would move quickly, quickly to shift were prominent. Suffice to say, the Bank of Japan held its ground. History repeats. Many players in financial markets, particularly younger traders who are full of their own self-importance and have probably been indoctrinated by mainstream macroeconomic programs in one way or another, have been betting against the JGB market and the Bank of Japan for years to their fucking detriment. Oh, to their detriment. Anyway, the short sell strategy on Japanese government bonds was called the window maker, widow maker trade for good reason. Give the money that has been lost in trying to force the Bank of Japan's hand. Chasing higher yields via these widow maker trades has led to a ma to massive losses because the investment banks, etc., are engaged in a battle against the Bank of Japan, which is a battle they can never win. A modern monetary theory understanding shows that the sovereign government, central bank and treasury, typically calls the shots over the financial markets. It sets the rules. Here, let's get this again. It sets the rules and has the currency capacity to set yields and volume and can stop issuing debt, a.k.a. bonds, altogether if it chooses to. The financial markets are supplicants. Folks, the financial markets are supplicants. The financial markets are supplicants. Here, let's say this again. The financial markets are supplicants. In other words, they're the ones that, just take whatever the fuck the government gives them and they deal with it, right? All these, all these individuals that try to prop up the, oh, but what happens if investors lose confidence in the dollar? What happens if investors lose confidence in the yen? When you hear someone say that, what, what do you think about? What do you think about them as people? You know, there's, there's a type, right? There is a type that does this sort of thing. There's a type doesn't know anything about anything, but they, they have a belief in the value of the dollar and they have a belief in the value of the yen. They have a belief that, oh, what if I lose any kind of confidence in it? Well, let me tell you something. As long as a nation state can tax in its own currency, you don't have to worry about that. As long as the nation can tax in its own currency, that currency is going to hold value because the price is steep. Okay, because the obligation to pay your taxes in the national currency is the answer. That's the deal. Period. Full stop. Okay. So let's go ahead and get this back up. So he says, like I said, the financial markets are supplicants. In other words, they're the JV team. In other words, let's go back to this real quickly. They are Godzuki. Okay. They are supplicants. They are Godzuki. The government and the central bank is Godzilla. Godzuki is the markets, the bond traders, you name it, the people that lose confidence, okay? Anyway, so let's go ahead and keep reading. 
So as the hedge funds pushed their strategy, the Bank of Japan's response was to increase its bond purchases to record levels. The result, the short selling, had pushed yields over the 0.25% target, and the bank then showed how they could easily bring it back under threshold. They can do, hold on, what's this say? They can do that whenever they choose. Holy cowabunga. Doesn't really make a bit of difference whether or not they lost faith in it, right? So the following graph shows the history of 10-year JGB yield since the beginning of 2021, noting that the yield curve control began formally on March 2021. So let's look and see where March 2021 is. Here's March 2021. This is when they began this thing, okay? Right here, March 2021. And so the following graph shows the 10-year JGB yield since the beginning of 2021, noting that the yield curve control began formally in March 2021. The red line is just the yield control target of 0.25%. The red line, there it is, holding firm. Bring this right back down. No problem. So he says, this week we observed something extraordinary in Japan, news of which the mainstream press has mostly left alone because it is too damaging to the Western view of central banking. Okay. The, the, the loser's view of central banking. Okay. The monetarist view of central banking. The bad people of the world view of central banking. Okay. The losers. Yes, the la, 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 losers. Losers, right? So let's go back into this. If you follow the Japanese bond market, you will realize that yesterday, October 12th, 2022, resulted in the fourth successive trading session in the bonds market. There were no 10-year JGBs. There were no 10-year Japanese bonds, basically, traded between investors. There have been zero trading days before, but this is the longest succession of secessions or sessions since data was available. The reason? The Bank of Japan is showing the investors who's in charge. They are offering prices for bonds above the price that the hedge funds and other investors are willing to pay. As a consequence, no trading occurs excuse me, as a consequence, no trading occurs between the private investors. The Bank of Japan's stated aim that it will buy as much debt as is necessary to maintain yield curve control means that it can maintain prices above what investors will pay, thus keep the yields at the desired level. I want you to read that. Read that again. The Bank of Japan's aim is that it will buy as much debt as is necessary to maintain yield curve control. Okay, now let's stop for just a second. Let's stop for just a second. The central bank will buy its own debt, regardless of whether anyone else buys its debt, period. Well, what if people don't want to buy the bonds anymore? What if? What if? What if? Kind of makes you want to like 
bust a move on somebody. Once you maybe drop the elbow, you know what I mean? Like literally drop the elbow. I mean, when I think about this, it's like, but you know, that's another story for another day. I think to myself, the people that sit there and spew this trash, they're not, their goals are not the same. Their goals are not to try to make the world a better place. Their goals are to maximize their investment in getting free money from nowhere. This is the goal. These are investor-grade bastards, okay, that don't put our welfare at the top of the food chain. They put their own portfolio at the top of the food chain. Nice super chat from VA from NY. Bill Mitchell and Louisa Connors wrote an in-depth paper on MMT framing with strategies for breaking through the misconceptions and ignorance. Find it at Real Progressives. Hey, yeah, you know what? Find it at realprogressives.org. Definitely come search for it. And uh, if somebody wants to put that into the chat, I would be ever so thrilled. Thank you, Virginia, for the super chat. All right, let's get back to Bill. So up here, as I said, the bank of Japan's stated aim that it will buy as much debt as is necessary to maintain yield curve control means that it can maintain prices above what the investors will pay and thus keep yields at the desired target level. The private bond speculators think that the underlying yield on the 10-year JGBs is much higher than the 0.25%, which means they think the current price is also inflated. And while the Bank of Japan is paying prices in the secondary markets to maintain the yield control target, there is no speculator willing to buy the bonds. They're doing it. Bank of Japan's doing it. Not these speculators, not the gamblers, not the Wall Street scum. And the most recent statement on monetary policy, September 22, um, noted the bank will continue with quantitative and qualitative monetary easing, QQE, with yield curve control aiming to achieve the price stability target of 2% as long as it is necessary for maintaining that target in a stable manner. It will continue expanding the monetary base until the year-on-year rate of increase in the observed CPI, uh, all items less fresh food, exceeds 2%, and stays above the target in a stable manner. And if the economic situation deteriorates due to the impact of COVID-19 and global trends, the bank will not hesitate. Hold on. The bank will not hesitate to take additional easing measures if necessary. It said it also expects short and long-term policy interest rates to remain at their present or low levels. Bank Governor Haruhiko Kuroda reiterated this that message during an address in Washington, D.C. yesterday, October 12, 2022. He also told an audience that the Bank of Japan would continue to intervene in the currency markets to attenuate so-called one-sided yen depreciation, even though he said yen depreciation may have a good impact on the macro economy as a whole but there are some sectors which are suffering. If the currency's movement is so fast and one-sided in direction, probably caused by speculation, that would be bad for the economy because that would make corporate planning more difficult. 
He also reaffirmed the bank's policy stance on wages and inflation. Wages are certainly rising now, but insufficient to guarantee 2% inflation in a sustainable and stable manner. You cannot simply jump to the conclusion that we will be able to achieve 2% inflation in two years or one year's time so that we can change monetary policy now. That's not correct. Conclusion. So the lack of trading in the 10-year JGB is a sign that the gamblers and investment banks have given up their power play against the Bank of Japan. They have finally got the message for the time being that the bank will continue to run the show and trying to bet against that is just a loss-making activity. Now the private bond traders are bleeding about price discovery is being compromised by the bank. What does that mean? It means that the private market isn't really sure what the bonds would trade at in the absence of the central bank. They need not worry. The Bank of Japan isn't about to hand over control to the gamblers anytime soon, if ever. That's enough for the day. So think about that. I want, hey, Robin Bennett, thank you so much for the super chat. We really, really, really appreciate everybody donating to the cause. Really appreciate it big time. But I want you all to think about this, right? That article, that article says a lot, an awful lot, right? Because we're always talking about confidence in the dollar. Well, let me just say for the record, so that it doesn't go away, and you don't lose track. A government that is capable of issuing a tax payable only in its currency doesn't have to worry about your confidence. If you look back at the Confederacy, the Confederacy could not enforce a tax. And sure enough, the Confederacy went belly up during the Civil War, okay? This is one of the key issues here. One of the very, very key issues to understand. When I hear people talk about losing faith in the dollar, I'm like, who the fuck are you talking to? Who, who are you talking to? Who are you even talking to? At the end of the day, the government whose central bank owns these debt instruments and issues them out can choose whether they sell those instruments or not. They can choose to do anything they want to do. And so it's important to understand that there are mechanisms there are debt instruments that allow governments and central banks to control their currency so that these horrible shocks that happen in the United States don't have to happen. Japan has been resilient and Japan has absolutely been able to weather all the global shit without any real impact to their standard of living. The United States, however, has an ideological framework of neoliberalism. It's disgusting. It's disgraceful. It's led by libertarian-minded people, hence the reason I don't like the LOL-bertarian lifestyle or their belief system. All the evil is bound up in this whole concept of free markets, free enterprise, freedom, 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 all the fraud, okay? And really what they're talking about is the freedom to predate on others, the freedom to speculate and then predate on the people at the bottom, the ability to let some fall and some win and all the other shit, okay? It's, it's a disgraceful mindset, really, 
quite frankly. And it, it, it's shown to be fraudulent. Bond vigilantes and investors really don't have a lot to say if the government chooses to take their power away from them instantly. It is 100% an ideological bend towards investor-grade bullshit that creates the fertile ground for all the lies that we've been told about how governments, oh my God, and going back to you know, Mark Blythe's statement, it really, it's really painful. I'm, I'm going to show it to you one more time because I don't understand the logic here. I really don't because I think he does know better. But he keeps saying this stuff, so it kind of confuses me how he allows the bond market and the investor market and so forth to seem like it's large and in charge, when in reality, it's not. I just don't understand why he puts the emphasis on these sorts of things. Just because governments don't know how to operate their central bank like Japan does or choose not to for ideological reasons doesn't mean that we're in any way, shape or form incapable of quote unquote green investments. Our central bank, our government could do these things if it so chose to, but our government and our central banks are neoliberal. That's the deal. That's the deal folks. Pretty exciting when you think about the power they have. But I want you to take another step into this with me. If you know, if you know that really bad actors of the investor grade type are selling you lies because their business depends on thinking they're large and in charge instead of the government. And you're one of the kind of people that worthlessly follow investor grade people around like they're the ones making the bold things. I, I want you to understand that says a lot about you. It says a lot about who you put your faith in and who you believe in. You know, as a anti-capitalist of a different variety, I look at this and I say, every time I see somebody talking about lithium mines or Elon Musk or, you know, hey, well, I'm going to invest in this and I'm investing in that. And I think to myself, who, who's, who's, uh, you know, labor are you skeezing from dude? Are, are you, are you still proclaiming to be a socialist? Are you still proclaiming to care about we, the people? Why do you keep giving over your agency to speculation, to markets? Why do you keep doing that? It doesn't have to be that way. The volatility is there because they love the world being one ginormous casino. They want everybody's lives to be as if they're buying a fucking mega millions ticket and counting to see what happens, <gasps> right? I don't want to live in that society. I don't want to live in that society. I want to wake up and see that yield curve set, that the curve measure that Japan has, a 0.25, just constant. I don't want to have to wonder. I don't want to be riding up and down on the waves of, of speculation and shit like that. I want all the speculators put out of business. I don't want them to exist. I want to do away with Wall Street. I want to do away with the whole fucking financial sector. I want to get rid of insurance. I want to get rid of rentier bullshit and all the speculation on the fucking real estate market. 
I want to get rid of it. I'm not here to prop it up and celebrate their highs and lows and the rough waters of their financial bullshit. What kind of an atrocity would want that? I'll tell you what. It's those fuckheads that made a few bucks in the market and suddenly have risen above the pig slop and they don't care about everybody else having to eat the shit at the bottom after they've played their game of speculation. This is a great point, Alan. Thank you so much. I'm going to read this to you guys. Alan makes a great point. People think because it's fiat, meaning by decree, okay, that faith is necessary. But the real reason for taxes makes so much sense. I don't know why people struggle with it. Exactly. It is the tax payable only, only in the nation's unit of account. You can't pay it in Bitcoin, sexual favors, chicken necks, frog legs, cotton, gold. You can't pay it in shit coin. You can't pay it in Ethereum. And you can't pay it in to the moon Dogecoin. Okay, you can only pay your taxes in the United States in U.S. dollars. You can only pay your taxes in the U.K. with pounds sterling. You can only pay. Do you understand what I'm saying? And yes. Oh, my God. Here you go. Let me. This is such an important point that Cheryl's talking about right here. In my opinion. I think that pensions are really fucked up because pensions require speculation to keep them alive and well. Companies invest in whatever, and that's what funds your pension fund, okay? And if you look at state pensions, whenever there's a downfall in the economy, state pensions dry up. And so what happens? They're unfunded. If you look, and let me see here. Let me see if I can pull this up. I want to explain this to you. This is so important. I can't believe I actually have an opportunity to do this too here. So I'm going to try and share my screen here. Let's go ahead and do this. And I see Jules in the audience, and Jules did a lot of this work here. So hats off to Jules, all right? But. If you look, you've got our website up. Many of you, I'm sure you guys have not uh, all checked out the uh, website. And Rich, thank you so much for the super chat. That is super welcome, man. Appreciate it immensely. All right. But I want to get back to Cheryl's comment. I want to keep that on the board for a minute. And we're going to go through our website. All right. And I want you to understand that in here, I think that it's, un well, are you going to make me, am I going to have to read? Yep, I had to do it. Sorry about that, folks. Every once in a while, I have to refresh it. But in here, and hopefully you guys are seeing this. And let me pop my face out so you can see me too, so you don't think I've left you. Down here at the race to the bottom, we have incorporated, let me accept and get the damn thing off my list. This is where are you from? Let's just say you're in, I don't know, where's Pennsylvania? I think that's it. Yeah, Pennsylvania, right? So if you look, homeless population, 13,199. Pensions, pensions funded, 
54.8% of Pennsylvania's pensions are funded. Rainy day fund, they have 3.6 days of funding should they have a rainy day fund, should they have an issue uh, with rain. Let's see what California is like. California, okay, they have 71% of their pensions funded. They have almost 40 days of rainy day fund, and they have about 151,000 homeless population. Go down here to Texas. 70.6% of their pension is funded. Rainy day fund, they have like 60 days rainy day fund. Homeless population, 25,848. Get down here to Florida. Florida has a population, uh, homeless population, 28,000. Pensions funded, 79.9. And they have a hundred, they have 16.7 days rainy day fund. Okay. Now, why am I showing you this? Okay. Let's see. Why am I showing? Why is Steve Grumbine showing you this? Steve Grumbine is showing you this, first of all, because unfortunately, there are people out there that don't want to understand the difference between states and the federal government. But these states have to fund their pensions. And if the market goes high or low, these pensions can go belly up. And there's places that are severely underfunded. Okay. And people are being told, hey, sorry about that. Your pension's gone. Or, hey, I'm sorry about that. Your pension's been reduced. Or, hey, I'm sorry. All based on the market. Why in the world would we base your retirement on the market, the highs and lows? If the market tanks while you're in retirement, what are you going to do about it? You're going to go pick up a job at age 85? Go and go out there and dig some ditches? Go and go out there and do some programming? going to go out there and build a skyscraper, Mr. 89-year-old? What are you going to do, right? But no, horrible, evil, wicked people want to have that ebbs and flows because they love living vicariously through the ebbs and flows of life. And they can watch the people that failed fade away. They can watch the climbers rise and they can find them, ride their coattails up the ladder. And when they fail, they can dump them and go off to the next one. And this is their idea of a perfect society. The idea of a perfect society. And so the idea of having your pensions locked into all this stuff. But right now, bonds are what helps out almost all pension funds. These guys buy bonds, government bonds. Why? Because the federal government checks don't bounce. That's why. So you want to get rid of the speculation? Put it on the federal government. Don't make pensions privately funded through uh, bullshit, through uh, investment and bonds and stuff like that. Put it square on the federal government. Put it square on the federal government. There is no question that the federal government can absolutely spend to infinity on this. They could just go ahead and fully fund any of those pensions without any issue whatsoever. Allow the federal government to provide either block grants or direct funding to pensions, create the overall, here you go, or expand social security, make it do whatever, but stop leaving it in the hands of speculators that drain the pool. Okay. This is a huge deal. So, but we've all been led to believe that the investors are the ones calling the shots. Their faith in the world is going to allow, you know, be everything. If they lose faith, oh my God, they'll pull their money out. Oh no, whatever will we do? <clears throat> yeah, here you go. 
Max's great point. He says, retirement finance, the concept of tying someone's access to resources in old age to their ability to secure the correct casino bet before they're too old to viciously compete for resources. Holy shit, that's the best comment I've seen yet. Max, perfect. Absolutely perfect. And it's infuriating to me. It's absolutely infuriating to me that there are bad people. Folks, see, I'm not one of those people that pulls punches. You guys, hey, man, you'd be as gentle and sweet as you want to be. I'm in the business of getting your attention, okay? And your transactions with one another, be gentle, be nice, explain things to each other, take the time. And, you know, for those of you who get to talk to me one-on-one, you know I'm not sitting there yelling at you. But in the real world, I'm just going to say straight up, the people that want this thing to be speculative, they're not good people, folks. They are so myopically into their own thing that they don't care who dies in their pursuit of money, of capital, of profit, of whatever, of speculation. The more speculative, the more exciting and titillating it is to them. And that's more important than you living or dying. So if I say they're bad people, that's my right to say they're bad people because I think they're trash. I think their mindset's trash. I think their approach to the world is trash. And I think everything about the monetarists and the investor grade folks is trash. It's all about let me get mine, okay? Because otherwise, if it wasn't all about let me get mine, we would be looking at fully funding everyone's retirement so they never had to worry a day in their lives. You know, I was talking about this the other day, and I want you all to think about this. This is one of those parting thoughts that make me Steve Grumby, not somebody else. Something strange that you'll go, what the fuck's wrong with Grumby? And I assure you, I've spent more hours thinking about this than you will in your initial reaction to what I'm about to say. But when you think about what it takes to build a diamond, a diamond is created by massive amounts of pressure on carbon, crushing it until it becomes this severely dense, strong, clear, beautiful diamond, okay? But human beings are not made of the same thing. Yes, we're carbon life form. And I suppose if you squeeze us hard enough and do all the things you do to make a diamond that we would become a diamond out of our carbon, sure, maybe. But we're not gonna live through that process. And whenever you put so much pressure on regular people, it's like if you have some clay in your hands or, or silly putty or, you know, goop or slime, your kid's slime, and you squeeze it like this, it doesn't just get compressed in your hands. No, it squirts out your fingers. It squirts out the sides. It squirts everywhere. And when you squeeze people, regular people, and you squeeze them with pressure and you squeeze them with fear and you squeeze them with an inescapable debt penalty. Bad things happen. People do things, work three jobs, leave their kids unattended at home just to survive. Then those kids create their own reality. And in some really, really unique, but very possible and probably far more frequent than we know. 
You end up with Jeffrey Dahmers. You end up with John Wayne Gacy's. You end up with Sons of Sam. Okay? You end up with Ted Bundy's. Yes, they're crazy. But the point is, is that when you apply this much pressure to the circumstances around you, you create the crowns for just absolutely a deformed, just three-headed monster like a freaking nuclear, I don't even know what you would call it. But humans are not meant to be applied to that much pressure. We just can't survive it. But this neoliberal speculation that they're fanning and fawning over, so much of what creates the downfall in our world is speculation. It's betting, it's gambling on the market. And that stuff creates unemployed people quickly without government intervention. But for the evil folks out there that want a small and limited government, that want a government so small they can drown it in a bathtub, well, the government would never be strong enough to prevent the kind of speculation that brings people and puts them in the grave early. Okay? So when you think about what I'm saying here, you think about the supremacy of the Bank of Japan, which is what Bill Mitchell being up there in Japan right now is talking about. This is a case study for all central banks in the countries that spawn them. Okay. It's important to know, you know, somebody asked me, you know, is QE bad for society or is this bad for society or is that bad for society and so forth? My answer to this is, is as follows. A gun in the hands of a hunter puts food on the table. A gun in the hands of a murderer kills a bunch of people. Okay, now you can be a vegan and be upset about hunting food or whatever. That's fine. But for as long as mankind has been alive, people have hunted. All right. And so with that in mind, I'm not going to get into that. The other thing is a hammer. I've talked about this before. Is a hammer a weapon of mass destruction? Is a hammer a murder weapon? In the hands of a murderer, it sure is. In the hands of a carpenter, what is it? In the hands of a carpenter, it's a tool to create a house or a, a thing, right? What about, you know, acid? Is acid something that you inject into someone's brain like Dahmer did to create zombies? Or is acid something you might use to corrode something, to, to literally burn through? I mean, acid has all kinds of uses. It has nothing to do with killing someone, right? So I want you to understand everything, if used in its proper way, is okay. You know, this, this book right here well, could be a paperweight, could be a fan, could be mass propaganda, could be educational, could be all the above. So QA, is QA bad? I don't know. Yeah, I... I I used to, too, man. I used to absolutely love mescaline, acid, blotter, microdot. Yeah, I'm with you. Anyway, it's very important that we understand that banking with neoliberals in charge is a whole lot different than banking with we the people in charge. 
But the problem is, is that while you might be sympathetic to public banks, you've got to once again know where money comes from. Money comes from the government. Public banks, about public control, that's fine. But just remember that banks getting money from other people and lending it out isn't the same thing as the federal government creating net financial assets. In other words, new money into the economy that doesn't have to be paid back with interest like a loan does, right? So let it be said that in one fell swoop, not only did Bill Mitchell prove, not only did he prove that governments and their central banks have incredibly large opportunities to make life very stable. Because remember, the central bank in the United States, the Fed, has two mandates. It's got a dual mandate, price stability and 100% employment, okay? Full employment. Full employment, price stability. That's their two. That's the dual mandate of the Fed. Well, what's the Fed doing right now? The Fed is jacking up interest rates. Why? With the intention of making it hard for businesses to take out money, to make it more expensive to take out money. And what do businesses have that the federal government does not? They have a balance sheet that they've got to manage. They've got to make sure that they have enough money to spend. So that means they have to go get it. And if they have to go get it at a higher rate, they're going to cut costs somewhere. And where do they typically cut costs? Labor. They cut labor first. So this is a whole plan by our Federal Reserve to do this. And they're violating their own mandate in doing it. Does that make the Federal Reserve bad? No, it's just a central bank. What makes them bad is who's in there, what their ideological proclivities are, and what they do. Okay? So I want to be crystal clear. We have been fed so much bullshit by Sig Heil, Reich-wing, investor-grade pieces of shit that want us to suffer and literally envy them as they win the lottery of investments. They really, really are evil. I consider evil to be the people that aren't concerned with the impacts of the people below them. I consider it evil when these rich people go after money and they don't care who they hurt to get it. I consider that to be a sociopath, a psychopath, evil. And the system of capitalism in and of itself, as bad as it is on its own, is made that much worse through the framework of neoliberal capitalism. And I'm sure there's some sophist out there that will take issue with me using the term capitalism or take some issue with me talking about neoliberalism. The fact is, is that they're under the structures that we can understand. Neoliberalism being privatization, being corporations making rules, being corporations having supremacy, having private property be supremacy. Okay. Capitalism in and of itself yields us neoliberalism. 
But neoliberalism is not an economic theory. It's more a governing theory. It's a theory of placing capital and private property above all else. Markets above public service. So I want us to take a step back and consider all that I've said in this live stream and ask yourself, if you're a socialist, if you're a lefty, if you're even a social Democrat that still has some of those perverse capitalist ideas in your brain, okay? Wherever you fit on that spectrum, I want you to consider how vital and important modern monetary theory is in terms of understanding the world around you. If I read the newspaper today and did not pay attention to what Bill Mitchell had said, if I did not have an understanding of how the system worked, when I read the news, when I hear other terrible alt-media people talking stupid shit about what about the losing faith in the dollar and the world reserve currency and the petrodollar, I didn't know how stupid they were for saying those things. Literally how dumb they are for saying those things. I would be all twisted into knots. My whole world would absolutely be turned on its head. But I do know. I invested myself to learn it. And so as a result of that, I can see clearly things that once baffled me. You know, we're always looking for an easier, softer way of understanding the world around us than just rolling up our sleeves and doing the learning. And I want to commend the 42 that are here because within our space, we're the few, the proud. There are so few people out there that will actually take the time. I think I think that there was some hubris, if you will, within the MMT community a little while back when they thought that we had won the war and that we had uh, finally displaced monetarist thinking, that we were making huge headway. But lo and behold, the quote-unquote inflation story, these bastards were in wait to try to make this case. And they were successful because too many of us didn't understand And therefore, we didn't talk to our friends and neighbors and family and other political figures. We did not demand they talk MMT. We did not demand they tell the truth. We did not demand they put down the neoliberal framework. We did not make those demands. Some of us did, but we're one person here, one person there and stuff. But for the vast majority, it's like, "Ah, it's just life. It's just the way it is. Oh, there's no way to change it. Oh, woe is me. And they went off and started chasing whatever. This is the most fucking important thing in the world, especially to a socialist who understands fundamentally that in order for our government to serve us, it needs to be we the people. And we the people shouldn't be in constant stress. We're not intended to be made into diamonds, folks. 
And I don't want to be a wage slave. I don't want to be a slave to debt. I don't want to be running constantly from some chopping block, whether it be the IRS debt that's coming due or whether it be my student debt that's coming due, or whether it be what I don't want to live in that world where you're in fear. So that keeps the economy going. Your fear is what drives things that is intentional. The desperation is intentional. And when you go along with it, you're contributing to that. Now, there are people out there, like I've said many times, we'll say it much more gently. You'll be so happy that you got your Mr. Rogers treatment. I'm fighting for the people that are going to die. They have no idea. Any of they're probably even neoliberals of themselves. They don't know anybody. They're frigging living less than hand to mouth. They're lifting trash can up and digging. I'm worried about everyone that is not an investor grade person, most likely. Even the investor grade people I care about too very much. I care about all people. But in the grand scheme of things, the people I really care about are those who are going to be hurt by the people who have means, who ignore this, who act like, oh, well, you know, you should have made better decisions. Why didn't you make better decisions? And now, you know, it's a fucking, it's just a mirage. Investment is something, markets are something that the federal government, that the nation's government, that Japan, that UK, et cetera, they create it. They create the rules and laws and everything else that make up that market. And depending upon how they audit it and depending upon how they regulate it, it makes the market what it is. The markets are not natural creation. Sorry, LOL, Bertarians. It's not that way. Yes, you create a traumatized population that is both ignorant, uneducated, and in fear. And you can do just about anything you want to them. And unfortunately, what breaks my heart the most fellow travelers that don't know the stuff I'm talking about act like I'm the bad guy for being outraged because they don't understand. So he must be an idiot. Well, no, actually, it's kind of the other way around, really, right? Just, just saying, just spitballing, right? It's not because I want to be the right guy. I'd rather not ever talk. You know how much I would rather not ever, ever talk about MMT? You know how much I'd like to just live my life and never have to do another live stream on MMT? Do you have any idea? But the problem is, is that a lot of the people that do talk about MMT talk about it in very, very um, comfy ways. They talk about it in kind ways. I want you to know that this is a motherfucking gun to our heads. And they're not going to say that, unfortunately. You're stuck with me talking that way because I want you to understand that there are more ways to kill somebody than just with a gun. Austerity is murder. And the bullshit that they talk about with finance is murderous. So I want you to understand that the purpose of the way I deliver, even if you feel like I'm punching down to the low life that said that the other day, I am not punching down. I'm trying to wake you up because you being awake is the single greatest weapon against the establishment that we could ever have. There's no greater weapon out there than a weaponized, bright person, smart person that understands the system and doesn't fall prey to conspiracy theories and other bullshit. They know fundamentally how it works and therefore they can diagnose the real problems and therefore they can fight back. If that makes me the bad guy, fucking guilty as charged. Guilty.
gets charged. All right. So tomorrow, folks, tomorrow. Let me see. Oh, there's another one. Thank you so much, Law. So on that note, I want to go ahead real quickly. And thank you, JL. I want to just say that means a lot to me. Um, really means a lot to me. Um, thank you so much, Alan, as well. Um, Sunday. Sunday. I am going to be releasing the, we will be releasing Macro and Cheese episode with uh, Akdas, A-Q-D-A-S, Opsal, A-F-Z-A-L, writes for the largest English uh, publication in Pakistan, Dawn, it's called. He's going to be talking to us about the devastation in Pakistan, the flooding, impacts of climate change, et cetera, and on the desperation of the Pakistani people and the finance and economics that has made that near impossible to solve. So please join us tomorrow. Catch, catch up. There's 200 episodes of macro cheese, folks. You want to learn this shit? I've given you fucking a master's course in it for the last three years. I brought the best of the best of the best to the table, and I hope you guys check them out. Binge listen to them. I just throw them on there and go to just do some yard work, you know, walk around the city, do whatever, but listen to them. It's the only way you'll learn this stuff. It's the only way. Well, it's not the only way. There's other people out there, but I'm hoping you'll listen to what we do because we take a lot of pride in not just giving you the, well, you know, the nation's government has the unit of account. We try to give you the real skinny about the impacts. The, we want you to not think of this as a benign accounting thing. I want you to know that there's real life and death consequences to this. Others are afraid to say that I am not. And I will be forever grateful that I didn't slink away and go with the tone police on this because people are dying. And I'm telling you right now, as somebody who on paper looks like he's doing okay, but with a debt tsunami coming in unbelievable fashion, the wall of water is hundreds of feet high. As my student debt and this tax bill come to hit me, pray for me, folks, if you're a praying type, because it's going to be ugly on my end. I hope I can keep the smile going long enough to get through it, but I'm telling you right now, it is terrifying. Terrifying. But anyway, Octas tomorrow, macro and cheese. Check it out. Be there. Okay. Sunday, I'm supposed to record a grumble for status coup, but I have not done yet yet. So I've got to think about what I'm going to do. And with that, I have another interview this afternoon. Neil Smith from uh Gims Institute will be coming to talk to me about trustonomics. That will be not this week, but next week's macro and cheese and with that i am steve grumbine and i am not ready to go out of here because <gasps> yep i did it again i did it again folks i always seem to do it again let me see if i can find it i know you're down here where in the bleepity bleep is this it where is it where is it i always lose it Does somebody move my stuff in my studio i can't find it oh well I'm assuming that literally I can't find it. I think somebody moved it out of my studio. That's a damn shame. I don't know where it is. I can't find it. Anyway, with that in mind, I'm out of here, folks. 
If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org. 